thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, grab your bulletin on the back is the uh, message for this morning. We're still in the Joshua Code. If you're just joining us, the Joshua Code is a series that we jumped into several months ago. Uh, it basically takes 52 passages of Scripture, and uh, it is basically a year of Scripture that the church must know. Now, we, we have skipped around a little bit due to holidays and different things, but uh, we're looking at one each Sunday, and we're trying our best as a church to take that passage for that particular day and memorize it that week, that we know it, that, that, that on the spot, if we need it, it, we hide the word in our heart, and, and we can regurgitate it, boom, just like that. So when the enemy comes knocking and messing with us, we just throw it right in his face, and he runs, okay? And Because the church must have power and we as individuals are the church. So today is called The Proof is in the Pudding. The Proof is in the Pudding. I want you to look at that passage or that little phrase right below that before we look at the Scripture. It says the secret of the Christian life is not that it is a changed life, but it is an exchanged life. Boy, if we can get that, if we could just get that, we're going to walk out richer than we walked in. Because, friends, it's not about a changed life. It's not a, oh, I'm going to do better now that I'm a Christian. No, no, most probably you're not going to, okay? Because what Jesus says is, you must exchange your life for the life that I'm going to give you. I want your old life to die. In baptism, in just a little bit, which is a symbolism or it's a symbolic sign of an inward change, I will say you are buried in Christ in baptism, okay? And you are raised to walk in newness of life, meaning that your old life has been buried and your new life has come, that you've exchanged the old life to the new life. Because if it's just a changed life, that's too much of us involved. We, we're too much in it. If it's an exchange life, we give up, he takes over. We give in, he begins. That makes sense? If we give it up, I mean, Jesus says, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand does something wrong, whack it off. If your feet and your body in this old life continue to lead you in the wrong way and you continue to be lost and without a Savior and you're, this life is killing you, then die and become alive in Christ. Die, give up. See, in Texas, we don't give up. We cowboy up. We, man, I'm telling you. Because, see, we, we think, you know, there's a mindset out there. If there's a, a square peg and it goes in that round hole, I mean, now we'll pick it up and go, square peg, round hole. That won't fit. Oh, it'll fit. In Texas, you just get a bigger hammer. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I can get that square peg in that round hole. And if that hammer right there won't work, I'll get a big old hammer. And we, we just, we just bam, and we go force it in there. Why? Because we are Texans. We are tough. We don't, we don't need any help. We just cowboy up. We man up. I mean, we just tough. And we, so we try to get a square peg in a round hole because why? Because we like to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, why we want to do it, and nobody tells us what to do. That's what we do. And Jesus said, time out. I need a 20-second time out here. Here's the deal, dude. I created the dirt ball. 
I gave you the earth suit. I sent my son to die for you. You stink without me. Okay? So you die, you give up, I'll make you new, and you go live and honor me. But without that, too much of you is going to keep coming out. And people are going to mix messages here. They're going to see a little bit of Jesus, and then when you least expect, they're going to see a bunch of you in what they used to be a Jesus, and it's going to confuse them. It's going to confuse them. And it's going to keep them from me. See, you've got to give up, exchange your old life for a new life. That's, 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 what, you're, that's what happens when you, when you get saved. That's what happens. Okay? I want to look at this scripture because I, I really need to be a good boy on time because we have baptism. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 5.8. Go there with me. Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8. That's in that GE Power Company series, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That, they'll throw you back there, okay? Um, Ephesians 5, did I say 5.8? Okay, I'm human. It's 5.18, okay? 5.18, put a one in front of that eight, sorry. I thought I heard myself say that, okay? 5.18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead... Be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's some things that are very common about someone who's drunk. We usually have no problem picking them out, okay? Have y'all ever confused a sober person with a drunk person? I haven't either. Pretty obvious. They don't even have to come up to me and introduce themselves to me as a drunk. I can pretty much just say, hmm, that dude is drunk, okay? That dude's drunk, okay? So, so here's some things that I want you to see about drunkenness, and here's some comparisons about a person filled with the Spirit, okay? Now, a person who is drunk, you would simply say is out of control, amen? They're out of control. They are controlled by something other than themselves. They're, they're controlled by something else, okay? They're out of control, okay? You see it in their speech, okay? Their speech, either it's real loud or it's real slurred, okay? Now, if you're controlled by the Spirit, you're not out of control, you're in control. And your speech is not slurred and loud, your speech is what? Under control of the Spirit, okay? Not under control of alcohol, but under control of the Holy Spirit. So, if you're in a situation and you go, ooh, I... Mm, I want to, ooh, I could say this, mm, and I could justify it, and it's really facts. I could say it, but Jesus said, mm, don't say it, bite your tongue. Mm, I don't want to bite my tongue. Bite your tongue. Because why? Because you're under control of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So your speech shows that what? You're spirit-filled. You're under the control of the Spirit. Second thing, a person who's drunk, trust me, can't walk. Now, they call it walking. You and I don't call it walking, okay? You and I would call it stumbling. To them, it's walking because in their mind, they think they're walking just like they were before they got drunk, okay? That's why you say the officer will tell you to walk this little line right here, all right? Or touch your toe and you point your ear and that kind of stuff. Because you can't walk straight. If, apart from Christ and not being spirit-fed, spirit-controlled, what you walk like stinks. It's not good. 
A person who is saved and born again, that has the Spirit of God living in them, is controlled by the Holy Spirit, and their walk will honor the King. A person who is drunk is under control of something else, and his walk is what? All over. Okay? So if you say, well, I'm a born-again child of the King, and I'm a Christian, and the Holy Spirit lives in me, but my walk is still not where it needs to be. Can I just get you to do something for me? Make sure that you truly are born again and not just trying harder. See, the problem in the Bible Belt is we grow up in church. We have church lingo, church speak. Right? We hear words, and we associate words with behavior. So we grow up in a church, and they say a Christian does this. And so a Christian, as a kid, starts mimicking these or duplicating this so they say well a, a christian goes to church okay i'll go to church a christian sings okay i'll sing a christian tithes okay i'll tithe a christian reads his bible okay i read the bible christian prays okay i, I pray you grow up be about 17 years old and somebody says so why you do all that I, I don't know i just grew up doing it see the problem is you can't just grow up to be a new person in christ just like you can't go to McDonald's and just grow up and be a french fry, okay? just doesn't happen. Churches don't produce born-again childs of the king. Jesus produces that. Church is where they come together as a, as a corporate body to become more like him, okay? So you can't come in here and hit a switch and go, whoo, I'm like Jesus, because the same switch is going to go off when you walk out. And so the world's out there going, dude, I thought you were in church Sunday. I was. Then why you talk like me? Why is there no difference in you and me on Friday? See, that's the struggle in the world is the born-again child of the king who should be walking by the Spirit because they're born again is not. They look like they're drunk by the world and they're walking in a way contradicting Scripture. So it's messing up the world, man, messing them up. It's messing up the church, too, because we have, quote, Christian people that don't act like Jesus in the church, but they call themselves Christian. You've been there. You've been in a Sunday school class or in a church service, and you saw something, you go, wow, I don't really think that's God. <laughs> You're right, that's not God. Some other things. A drunk person is powerless. A person filled by the Holy Spirit has power. I mean, has power. You've never been so powerful under, when you're a Christian, you've never been so powerful than you are when you're under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. You have power to bite your tongue, to not say it, not do it, not walk it, not think it, not behave in it. Okay? The power over attitude comes from the Holy Spirit. If you're not under control of the Holy Spirit, guess what comes out? Too much of you. Too much. See, y'all think y'all like me, but what you really like is the Jesus in me. I'm just going to tell you. Because if you just met Jeff, you'd go, oh, all right? <laughs> Maybe not that, but it's something like that, okay? But what you fall in love with is the Jesus in a person. Because you see the attributes and the characteristics and the attitude and the love and the 
gen- and, and the, the genuineness and the kindness and the meekness and the mercy and the grace and all this other stuff of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you love Jesus. And you love who he is and what he does. Last thing is this. A drunken person will bring sorrow. But a person controlled and living in the Spirit of God brings joy. Drunkenness brings sorrow. If you've grown up around it, unfortunately, or been around it, or even raised around it, a lot of sorrow on that, man. A lot of sorrow. But the Holy Spirit of God, a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he, he has joy. Joy. I want to look at several of these things while we have time. I'm going to break them all down for you. Number one is this. Look at Ephesians 5.19. There is an inward evidence. There's an inward evidence of a spirit-filled person. Look at Ephesians 5.19. I think I said nine again. Maybe I was supposed to preach Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. I probably should check that. Ephesians 5, 19, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, I was doing a speaking at a youth thing several years ago, and I read that passage, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and a dude raised his hand and said, dude, you do not want me to sing to people. It's not what he's talking about. You don't want me to sing to people either. What he's saying is, that, that, that you should have, when the Holy Spirit of God is in you, and when you are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, He puts a song in you. So even in the worst of the worst of the worst times and days that you have, you still can sing a song to the King because you are filled with joy. I want you to go and see this in Psalm 40. Go to Psalm 40 real fast. Psalm 40. This is you as a new believer, okay? I'm going to begin in verse 1 and 2, but 3 is where we're going to camp. Psalm 40, I want you to listen to the inwardness, the song in you. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slippery pit out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. You can put in your margin Jesus right there. All right? And then look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see, and many will fear, and many will put their trust in the Lord. He put a what in you? A new song. A new song. New song. And every single day is a new child of the king, a new born-again believer. You will sing what? That song. Why? Because it's your song. It'll sound different than your spouse's song. It's a song of how you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's how you've been changed, how you once walked around and hit trees, and now you walk around and see and miss them. It's how you've been born again. And what does it say if you sing your song? Many will hear, and many will see, and many will put their trust in the Lord. Mm. Maybe the co-worker, the loved one, the friend has not given their life to Christ yet because you're not singing 
your song. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt with all my heart that there are specific people that we are supposed to pass, come in contact with, and bump into on this side of heaven. And when we do, we should be singing the song in us because that person needs to come in contact with our inner song so he will see, hear, and put their trust in the Lord. I wonder today if you are a Holy Spirit believer, I mean, a Holy Spirit-filled believer, and you've been born again, are you singing your song? Or are you sitting on your song? You say, well, right now it just doesn't sound as good as it does sometimes when I'm really on fire. It doesn't say when you're on fire sing. It says sing all the time. Today, friends, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, there is an inward evidence. And the inward evidence is the stuff that comes from your lips. It needs to be a song of your Redeemer. A song that you've been changed, man. You can't sing it enough, and you can't sing it loud enough, and you can't sing it often enough because, my friends, he put it in you, and you've got to open up and sing it. And when you sing it, not only does it do it for you, but it touches those around you. It touches those around you. Don't cheat God by not singing the song that he put in you. All right? Second is this. There is an upward evidence. Upward evidence. Go back to Ephesians. Look at verse 20. Ephesians 5.20. Always, and that does mean always, giving thanks to God the Father for what? Everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A continual attitude of thanksgiving. A, a child of the king, a person born in